You are listening to a weekend message from New Life Church in Fort Smith. We would love to connect with you, so find us on Instagram or Facebook at NLC Fort Smith. Enjoy the message. How y'all doing? Hey, can you run that video again? We're going to restart this thing? No. <laughs> Listen, I was in here for worship. It couldn't be. I know that wasn't a problem, right? It was so good to be in here worshiping. So uh, I feel like we're lying to you guys a little bit here. Uh, it's no longer a new sermon series on James. In case you're wondering if you're concerned, it's not, it's not new. Today we're going to be closing it out. And uh, I brought my main man in here with me today. This is Judah. They're excited to see you. Uh, he's less than enthused, it would appear. <laughs> um, he's gonna, he's starting to catch on with, uh, with being a pastor's kid. Uh, before the first service, we were sitting in there and he was looking, I was looking through my notes a little bit and he was looking over my shoulder. He's like, hang on. What, what do you mean my son? He's like, what do you, what do you say? Look, give me this. He wanted to read what I had to say about him, you know, cause he, he knows I tell stories about him all the time. Uh, always good. Always good stories, I promise. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, he's going to read our text today. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to James chapter 5. We're going to read verses 7 through 11. Originally, I was going to try to tackle 7 through 20. Um, but in, so, in doing my research, one of the guys I listened to, it took him three 50-plus minute sermons to, uh, to take down that passage. And so, like, I hope you brought a lunch, you know, because we're going to be, no, we're not going to be here that long, I promise. We're just going to go 7 through 11, and Judah's going to read it for us. Be patient, then brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophet who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Yeah, boy. Amen. Good job, buddy. You did awesome. Thank you. Let's pray over God's word this morning, and then we'll get into it. God, we love you. Again, we're so thankful for your word. And I just love how that set of verses ends with the Lord is full of compassion and mercy, just as uh, Pastor Philip was talking about, God, we are so thankful for the compassion and the mercy that you have poured out on each and every one of us. And God, today I pray that um, as we close out this book, God, um, that has been such a, a wonderful uh, series of messages. Uh, I pray, God, that you would open up our ears to hear and our, and our eyes to see and our hearts to receive your word today. Let us leave changed different than when we came in. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, I do want to reiterate uh, one thing. I forgot to do this in the first service, but um, for all of you who help make Thanksgiving possible, uh, man, I just want to tell you thank you so very much. Uh, whether you gave, you went and bought some blessing certificates, you came out and, and passed some out, you've been praying about the event, 
And we're so thankful for each and every one of you for helping us be able to pull that off and, and just a huge impact in our community. Uh, it was over 100 volunteers. Uh, when you calculate the meals, it's something over like 1,300 meals. It's just a, a crazy amount uh, that was given out yesterday, and it wouldn't be possible without you guys. And so, again, thank you so much for that. It's one of the, my favorite things that we do, and uh, it went so, so good yesterday. Uh, how many of you are enjoying the James series thus far? You've been enjoying parts of it? Some, maybe not some of it, right? <laughs> yeah, if you're like me, like some of it's been reading your mail a little too close. You're like, ah, that one was good. This one, not so much. Uh, <laughs> it's like earlier I was talking, uh, it's like almost sometimes like the, uh, when we do series, it's like you've been listening to my Alexa at home. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like you've been listening. And I said that earlier as I was practicing in my, the Alexa in my uh, office. It was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I was like, yes, you do. <laughs> you know, like, you know exactly what I'm talking about, Alexa. You've been listening to me. It's very creepy. Um, so far, we've touched some really great kind of topics in this series. Uh, fantastic message on trials and tribulations. I can't even say it with a straight face. I was telling Philip earlier, I, I tried to say it. I preached that one. It wasn't very good, okay? Just know that, like, we didn't get off to a good start. I, <laughs> I can't even say it with a straight face. Uh, we talked about things like being partial and making judgment of people, right? And how we view other people. Uh, we talked about kind of this tension between faith and works. Uh, we've talked about taming the tongue, let me just tell you, you all need to go back. I saw some eyebrows go up. Yeah, you all need to go back and listen to that one again, okay? We all need that one. Uh, we talked about worldliness. We talked about kind of this humility that allows us to be able to put our, to allow God to speak in and lead and guide our lives rather than kind of this arrogance of taking control and boasting about the things that we're going to do and not do. Uh, it's been a fantastic series, and I want to reiterate one thought as we're kind of finishing it up today. And this is a thought that we, we opened up the, the series with. And it's really a concern that, that Pastor Brandon and I talk about quite a bit. And it's this, is that you'd fall more in love with doing than being. Okay, and this is what I mean by that. That you would fall more in love with like doing the things that uh, maybe we've talked about, the practical steps that we've talked about in James. You fall in love with just doing all of these things and you miss out on really being a disciple of Jesus Christ. You really miss out on being a follower and falling more in love, in, in, more in love with Jesus. That's the whole goal of all the practical steps is that you would be formed more into his image and that you would fall more deeply in love with him. And it's very easy for us to check all the boxes every single day and then we forget the whole purpose of why we made the list, right? It's really easy for us to want to knock out a whole bunch of things and feel like we did something today and I accomplished something and then we forget that Jesus has already done all the work and he's already paid it all on our behalf. And so we do all of these things and that's why that faith and works message is so, so good. We don't want to get so caught up in doing all of these things that we we don't actually fall more in love with Jesus. The, the end goal always is and always will be falling more in love with Jesus. And so today, we're going to talk about a, uh, an idea that I know everybody wants to hear about. I always get these. These are great. We're going to talk about patience. It's great, right? Yeah. Yeah, look at your neighbor. Tell them you need some patience. Look at your other neighbor. If you're having Thanksgiving with somebody, tell them. You're like, hey, we're going to need a lot of patience this week, right? This week's going to take a lot of patience. How many of you in here would say that you're, you're pretty patient just by nature? Pretty patient? Okay, that's like 10 more than we had. If you don't come to first service, heathens out there, like nobody was patient, nobody raised their hand. How many of you are impatient? That's me. That's my people. 
Yeah. Uh, I, I consider myself, uh, unfortunately, very impatient. I'm really impatient when it comes to slow internet. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, my phone decided it wanted to like hop onto 5G the other day. This is a disaster area. Don't go to 5G. It doesn't, I couldn't do anything. My phone was basically a paperweight at one point because, you know, the little bar goes and it just never moves. And it's, I think it's laughing at me because I just sit there and wait over and over and it never does anything. And so I called Brandon because if, I don't know anybody who hates slow internet more than Brandon. Like he seriously hates it. And he thankfully had the solution. And my phone is uh, all back again. I don't have to wait on the stupid slow internet. Uh, I'm the guy who will, uh, you know, if I end up at Target or Walmart, I'm the guy who will stand back and scan the lines to try to decipher, you know, how fast each checkout line is going to go. Do you guys do this? You know, you look at the person, you start judging them a little. You're like, I don't know. They look like they're probably going to take, they look talkative. I don't want to get in that line. We don't want that one, you know. You start looking how much is in their basket. I usually just say, you know what? I'm the best. I'm just going to go to self-checkout. That kind of thing, right? You know, like, I'm that guy. I'm the worst in traffic when it comes to being impatient. Um, I'm the guy who will, if I'm in traffic, I'll take an alternate route, and I'll use the excuse of, but at least we're moving. Y'all, anybody like that? That's like, but at least we're moving people in here. It never works out, does it? It never works out the right way. It's always slower, but I always, you know, I always can rely on the fact that, well, at least I'm still moving around, you know, like I can do this and it makes me feel better. Our culture is very much geared this way. You know, as technology gets more advanced, as we keep on innovating, the the end goal is fast and easy. For the most part, the end goal of our technology is that we can do things faster, we can do things easier, and it makes it easier on us. And I love that. However, if we're not careful, it can begin to kind of, kind of start to manipulate who we are on the inside and that if things aren't fast and easy, we match that with impatience and frustration and, and a temper and, and anger because it's not going as fast or as easy as I want it to. Just look around our world. There was a time in life when if you didn't know the answer to a question, you just didn't know. Right? Like we could be talking about the dinner table. You just didn't know the answer. You had no other way. You'd hope you find somebody who knew it at some point in life, right? And you're like, oh, there was that one time at dinner I needed to know, you know, that one piece of, like when the, the Ford Mustang was created. You know? <laughs> like I wouldn't know. Now what do you do? You just Google it. It's right there, fast and easy. I like the silly ones too. Like apparently putting a key in a car ignition has become way too much. Like, that, that's asking too much of us these days. Like, it's, it's just too slow and cumbersome. You just push the button and it starts. Like, that's it. That's where you want to be. Fast food. It's not fast enough. We, instead of one drive through now how many do we have? We got two. I don't even know, is that where we're going to stop? We might not stop at two, but it wasn't fast enough. Two minutes, 37 seconds of cooking food. That's not fast enough. We're going to double the lane, and we're going to get you through faster. My kids will never know what a catalog is. Can you believe that? I was thinking about that this week. My kids will never know what the word catalog is or means. Amazon, two days. How many of y'all, hey, and I know, I've been on Facebook. Some of y'all mad that Amazon can't meet two days right now. You know, we've been so trained to be at two days with Amazon or free Walmart delivery and all these things that now it's a little slow. We get frustrated. I was talking to my dad. He was at the first service. I remember he used to order uh, CDs off of uh, BMG, I think is what it was called, right? He would order CDs. And uh, he would order them and never know when they were coming in, right? Like, you would just never know. It's like, ah, just pray. I'm going to pray. That's all we can do. And one day, we would come home, and it would be like the little, little square cardboard box of CDs sitting on, uh, the, on the porch. 
here's what I need you to understand uh, today. Is that you may be hardwired like me to maybe be a little impatient. Maybe culture today operating in a world that is fast and easy has begun to develop kind of this level of, of impatience and uneasiness and frustration inside of you. Uh, but what you need to understand today is that for the follower of Jesus to have a faith that lasts, you need to understand that this is not a sprint, but this is a marathon that we're on. For us to have a faith that can stand firm, for us to, to be able to look at our, our faith in God and say, this is steadfast, it always requires patience. Like if, if we want to have a faith that's going to be able to endure, we have to have patience. And before we kind of break down this, this passage in James, you, you may come in here and you may find yourself, maybe, maybe you've been trying to do your best and, and you come in here and you're tired and it's got you wondering like, hey, where is God at in all of this? Maybe you've had some mistakes and some failures where you're letting your past kind of keep you down. Maybe you're in a situation where you feel a little stuck and you're wondering, maybe it didn't, you're in a place where it didn't quite work out like you had imagined it was going to. And you're, and you're wondering, where is God at in all of it? I want you to know that in those times, sometimes you just have to tell yourself, it just takes time. Okay, it just takes time. My, my son plays a lot of sports. And uh, he's trying to learn some new stuff in basketball, and he'll hit the ball off his leg, and it'll roll away. And he's like me, he gets mad, he's like, oh, and he'll slap his leg, you know, and he'll do all that. And I tell you, son, it just takes time. If you come in here and you're wondering, where is God at in all of it? I need you to understand that a lot of times God is working, and we don't see it. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But you have to know that God is working. If you're a follower of Jesus through his Holy Spirit, he is alive on the inside of you, and he is working at working it out, and it, sometimes it just takes time. It just takes time. And so today I want to I give us kind of three reasons why we can be patient. Okay, three reasons from James chapter 5. He actually gives us three uh, examples for us to be able to pull from, three illustrations. We're going to walk through each of these. Uh, and the first one is this. I can be patient because God will return. Be patient because God will return. My friend Matt Portillo is in the back row right over here. I can tell you this about Matt. On December 26th, an app on his phone will begin to count down the next Christmas, the next year. Okay? The day after, it's going to be. He's going to start running that countdown. Okay? It actually stops, he told me, on November 1st because that's close enough. Right? Like He gets to November 1st, it's Christmas for him. All the way through so the day after, and he's going to crank that countdown app back on. Why? He keeps that because he loves Christmas so much, and having that countdown reminds him that there's something in front of him that's coming. Like, he can be patient about it. He can, he can have hope because he knows that that Christmas season is just around the corner. And for us, if we are followers of Jesus Christ, we can also have hope, and we can have patience, and we can have peace, Every single day knowing that one day Jesus Christ is coming back for us. That's what James tells us in chapter 1 verse 7. Be patient then brothers and sisters until the Lord's coming. 
And here we get our first like illustration, okay, this example. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop. If, if you're taking notes, you want to underline that. It's valuable crop. Patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm. Why? How can we be patient? How can we stand firm? Because the Lord's coming is near. And uh, you, growing up, everybody always used to tell me, well, when you have kids, time's, time really starts to fly by. You know, and when you're young, you laugh at it, don't you? You're like, whatever. I just want to graduate. I don't want to get you out of school, whatever. Listen, as a parent, I know time flies by and it seems to be getting faster and faster. And when he says the Lord's coming is near, don't forget how fast time can go. We are as close as we have ever been to the Lord's return. And there's two things from this farmer example that I want us to keep in mind when it comes to thinking about patience. The first thing is that anything worthwhile requires waiting. Like valuable stuff takes time. Like if we, we want to have something worthwhile in our lives, it will often require us to wait for it. Kind of conversely, a lot of times when we try to manufacture stuff, we try to get something in a hurry, right? We try to make it happen before it's time. It never goes the way we think, and it never delivers what we think it's going to. It's because anything worthwhile takes time, and that's what the farmer knows. That's why I had you underline that. In, in verse 7, he says it's a valuable crop. The farmer, when he plants a seed, he knows that one day something very valuable is going to surface, and he's willing to be patient because he can see the valuable thing down the road. The second thing that I see in this, oh, a couple of verses. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. I'm just going to reiterate this idea. It says, being confident of this, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's like we're, we're all kind of, as followers of Jesus, we're all on this trajectory towards a day when Christ returns and, and sets everything right in the world. Right? Like that's where we're headed. Even when we, uh, in James chapter 1, we went over this a little bit in verse 2 through 4. It says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, which is like patience on steroids, okay? It's steadfast. It's like immovable. Let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. There is, a, there is an end goal. There is an end product of our following after Jesus that is going to come one day. And when we keep that in mind, we know it's valuable, it's worth it, and we can be patient in those times. The, the second thing that I see in this kind of farmer illustration is that there's progress in the patience. There's progress in the patience. That's what I was talking about earlier. Oftentimes, what God is doing in our lives is, is imperceptible to us. Like, we don't see it. It's not something that's overt. It's not something that's like right in front of us. This is what the farmer knows. He's patient when the seed's in the ground. He can't see what's happening. He doesn't necessarily see all of the growth. He doesn't know. He's just walking it out day by day, being patient, until one day what happens? The crop comes out of the ground, the valuable crop in this case. He knows that there's progress happening whether he can see it or not. And I think a lot of times we write ourselves off when we're following after God because we can't see the growth. We don't see the progress. You know what we see? We see the shortcomings, right? We see the failures. We see the mistakes. I'm the, I'm the biggest critic in my whole life. 
Like nobody's harder on me than me. So for me, it's really easy to look on the negative things. And I want to encourage you this morning that when God chose to have a relationship with you, he knew the depths of all of your failures and mistakes. It's not like God's going to wake up one day and be like, wow, that turned out a little worse than I thought it was going to. Like, I, I didn't think he was going to say that to his wife, you know, or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> I'll just say that because I'd say stupid things. Um, God doesn't wake up one day and all of a sudden you have done something that has caught him off guard. Actually, he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for you despite all of those things. Because he loves you. Because he's gracious. And he's merciful. Don't just give up on what God is doing because you might not see what's going on. Have patience because there's progress in the patience. The second thing that we, we see in this passage is an example of a prophet. Okay? So kind of two, hold on to God's word. Hold on. It says this in James chapter 1, verse 10. It says, brothers and sisters, as an example of patience... In the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Who spoke in the name of the Lord. Prophets had a really hard life. Like, like when you read that, you shouldn't think like they were like, they had some like glamorous calling on their life. Because it, it couldn't be really further from the truth other than what an amazing thing to get called to do by God. But in the natural, they would have had very difficult situations and circumstances. They often had to do yeah, crazy or odd or peculiar or scary things. Uh, to fulfill what God had called them to do. And to make it worse, oftentimes the people that they were talking to were never going to get it. Yeah, that's parenting too. Yes, <laughs> it's parenting. That's what it was. Let me read you a few of these. Isaiah was sent to people ever hearing but never understanding. Right? Don't point at anybody there. Ezekiel ministered. This is from Ezekiel 12 too, to a rebellious people. Like, that's what God's like, hey, you can go, we're going to go minister to these people. They're rebellious. It's like, thanks. The queen of Israel sought to take Elijah's life. Jeremiah was thrown into a cistern. Jesus spoke of Jerusalem as those who kill the prophets and stone those that God sent. Stephen, in Acts chapter 7, would ask this question. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? Like, that's the audience. Like, I'm thankful for you guys. You know, <laughs> like, like, that's the audience that many of the prophets would find themselves having to speak to. You know what they had that they could hold on to? They had the word that God had spoken to them. They had the promises that God would be with them no matter what situations they would find themselves in. It didn't matter who they were talking to. It didn't matter who would listen. It didn't matter what they had to do to communicate the message to them. They were going to do it because they held so tightly to the word that God had given them. I made a really bad mistake one time. I went out in Conway and I went swimming in open water by myself. Okay? Uh, I'm not a swimmer, so let me just say that. Like, I don't swim, but I thought it'd be cool to go out and I swam out in the water and I got halfway out and I was absolutely exhausted. If you've ever done that, like, you know what that feels like. It's, it's a little scary to be out in the middle of a lake and you're tired, <laughs> right? And all I could manage to do was swim to this buoy that was in the middle. And I got out there, and I just hung on to that thing, you know, for dear life. And I started, like, it gave me time to kind of scheme. What am I going to do here? How am I going to get out of this? That, that's the picture that I want you to see when you think about holding on to God's word. It's like this sense of, like, desperation. It's a sense of, I can't go another moment 
without holding on to this word that God has given me. You're going to go through seasons of life where you're going to have a scripture that you cling to, and it's what gets you by every single day. You want to have patience in this life? We're going to have to hold so tightly to God's word. Third thing is this. So we can have patience because God never fails. God never fails. James chapter 5, verse 11, it says, As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance you have, and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. I think a lot of us are familiar with the story of Job. If you're anything like me, when I think of Job, I think of all the really horrible things that he had to endure. Right? Anybody else like that? Y'all just think about it like, I mean, it was awful, right? His wealth, gone, money. He lost his kids. He lost every possession that he had. At one point, he would have sores on his skin. The Bible tells him that he was using a, like a pot to scrape the boils, okay? He had really terrible friends. Like his friends were not good. He had an even worse wife. She told him, curse God and die. It's like, thanks, that's what I needed right now, you know, <laughs> like real encouraging. Like those are the things I think of when I think of the story of Job. And so I get to verse 11 and I'm a little confused because it says that the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Why does he say that? He says that because the audience that he would be speaking to or who would be reading this letter would be not only aware of the great hardships that Job would endure, but the restoration that God brought into his life. They would be so keenly aware that, that all of his possessions would have come back to him double. That he would have a, a family that matched the same family that had been taken away from him. It actually says at the end of chapter 42 in Job that he was more blessed at the end than he was in the beginning. And we would have all looked at the story and thought he was very, very blessed to begin with. And then all of it got, was taken away. It says he was more blessed in the end than he was in the beginning. How does Job go from having absolute nothing to being more blessed? It's because he knew he could trust in God and that God would never fail no matter what he went through. He had full assurance. His wife told him to curse God and die and he would not recant on his faith in God. When you know that God is not changing, that he's not shifting, that he can't fail, that he's going he to make things right in the end, when you can trust in that, you can have patience. One thing I was thinking about this week is that faith is only as good as the option as as the object you place it in. Okay, faith is only good as the object you place it. In. What does that mean? Uh, we've been doing some wise stuff at a friend named Allison's house. Okay, she's got these chairs. Every time somebody pulls a chair out, she's like, "Hey, be careful. I don't know if you're gonna if it's gonna work out. Like <laughs> you could end up in the floor." Okay, guess what? Rarely people sit in those things. Like, somebody will put their life in the chair's hand every once in a while, right? But this chair, this chair, I've seen plenty of people sit in this chair. It has a little give to it. I learned last one. I never sat in this chair before. It's got, there it is right there. Got a little give to it. It's comfy. I have faith in this chair, but my faith is only as good as knowing that this chair can hold me up. Unlike Allison's, I don't know if it's going to. This one I know is going to hold me up. And likewise, just like Job, he knew that his faith was good because God never changed. 
It wasn't that his faith was inherently good. His faith was good because God is good and God never changes. Your faith is only as good as the object that you're going to place it in. And you need to know this morning that you serve a God who never changes, who never fails, who is all-seeing, all-powerful. This thing is not a debate. I love how in, when, uh, in the beginning of Job, you see, in Hollywood, you see that it looks like good and evil are always at war with each other, right? In Job, you get the real picture that God is, is so much in control of this thing and Satan has no chance, okay? You need to understand that, that God is good and he's faithful and he never fails and he is there for you and you can put your trust in him. He's the only thing in this life that's worthy of us putting our faith in. If you would go ahead and stand on your feet. As always, I want to read a verse over you and, and pray over you just to kind of wrap this thing up. Before I get there, if you're in here and you're struggling and you're on the, the verge of giving up, can I just tell you, just hang in there. Keep seeking after God. The only way you're going to lose this thing is if you give it up. Keep pressing after him. Keep going after him. Keep your eyes fixed on him. Lift it up out of the stuff that you're going through. Fix your eyes on him because he is worthy and he is there for you and he is working on your behalf. Don't give up. It just takes a little bit of time. Second Peter verse 3, 9. Chapter 3, verse 9, it says this. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. Some understand slowness. I love this. Instead, he is patient with you. <laughs> I like that. A lot of times we feel like we're being patient with God. And he's just being patient with us the whole time. God's not up there holding out on you. He's not up there like trying to punish you for it. No, no, no. He's being patient so that you can become everything that he wants you to be. He doesn't want you to perish. He wants you to flourish into everything that he created you to be. And that's my prayer, that as we're learning how to be patient, that we know God is working with us. He's right there. He's supporting us. He's walking us through. He's building us up, encouraging us as we go through it.